Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Amen. Well, I wanted to finish today this uh, little mini-series on signs of the times that uh, I started talking about last week. And uh, if you got your Bibles, I'm not going to do too much reading. Uh, just go over to Matthew 24. You can stay seated today and, and just open your Bibles to Matthew 24. Uh, I do need to finish this today because I want to move on to some other things. But I'm going to come back to this topic on the end times because I believe it is really, really relevant. Uh, I wanted to start next week talking about the family because I really believe that the family is in trouble right now. We need, it's under attack and we need to hear what the word of the Lord says about that. Um, hardest part about preaching is finding what to preach and then narrowing it down. Right, Dad? <laughs> and uh, this has been tough. So I've been praying and this is what the Lord has put on my heart as I talk about the signs of the times. And last week uh, we talked about that a little bit more. Uh, so let's do this. Let's go, go ahead and put a timeline up. I'm going to just explain something to you. This is the timeline from Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to get right into it. You ready? Here we go. Tell your neighbor, here we go. So uh, this is the day that I believe we are living in. And, and uh, if you are spiritually awakened, as we talked about last week, you sense that we are in that area of time on God's calendar where he's soon to return. So Matthew chapter 24 is basically everything you see on the screen is there. It's the signs of the times. And then he talks about uh, in verse 15, he goes right into the tribulation. Well, right between verse 14 and 15 is the rapture of the church, uh, which is in 2 Thessalonians where Jesus, where Paul writes and said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So Paul said, we will meet the Lord in the air. Every generation of the early church since the resurrection of Christ believed that they were in the day that the Lord was to return because we are always supposed to be looking for his return. As you're looking for his return, as you're looking for him, you'll be living for him. And then he begins to talk about the Antichrist, which I'll briefly kind of just give you a breakdown of Revelations 13. But if you look at the timeline, Jesus came 2,000 years ago, died on a cross, rose again. And that what started the church age. The day of Pentecost came and the Holy Ghost filled the upper room and the church was born. That's Acts chapter 2. And then the church age, which we are. And then the Bible predicts in 2 Thessalonians there'll be a great falling away, which, which is called the apostasy. A falling away from the things of God. A, a, and he describes in Timothy chapter 4 a generation of people that will become haters of God and rebellious and, and just selfish and self-centered and, and, and things like that. If you think we've fallen away from the Lord, I could give you so many stats. I'll give you another one in just a minute. But here's one. Just to give you a little snapshot. You know, in, 19, in, 18, in 1844, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously 9 to 0 that the Bible must be a part of the curriculum in our schools. 
They said that we must impart to our youth the teachings of the Bible if we expect moral righteousness. It also needs to be uh, taught in our colleges, especially the New Testament. This was in 1844. A hundred years later, uh, the same Supreme Court voted that it is unconstitutional for the Bible to be in our schools. And then in 1980, the Supreme Court banned the posting of the Ten Commandments in our school. That's just a snapshot of something we all know, but sometimes we forget. But I want you to know it. There was one time when this nation was united behind Jehovah God and and worshipped him and got into the word of God and followed him. It was actually the book of Philemon and other New Testament scriptures that helped abolish slavery. It was a part of the fabric of our country is these teachings. And if you go over to Washington or anywhere in our nation, nation's capital and think you will see scriptures all over the place and and they're slowly starting to be taken down. Don't be surprised. This is exactly what the Bible teaches and prophesies and predicts that we will get to the place where we are turning away from the Lord. But the good news is, is God will always have a remnant. He will always have a group of people. He will always have a people that will say, take everything you want from me, but I, you can't take my Jesus. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's, that's truth. And my heart's cry is that, you know, you don't get caught up in all of this religious stuff, but that you will become a part of the remnant of Jesus Christ, a part of the people that says that Jesus is my Lord and I'm going to serve him, though none go with me, yet I will follow. So the apostasy, we, I believe we are right here at the apostasy there and the rapture of the church. We're in that little slice of time. And we don't know when the Lord is going to return. It could be before this service is finished. It could be a hundred years from now. I don't know, but here it is. I, I plan my life as if Jesus is not going to come in my lifetime, but I'm prepared if he comes today. So I plan, I, I, you know, young people go to college, you know, you have your families. I have my grandson. I got a little granddaughter that's coming in January, February, right around the Super Bowl. Miranda said, Dad, you know what that means? I'm going to go in labor, and the Lions are finally going to make it to the Super Bowl. That's probably what's going to happen. I'm just the way it is. But we plan our lives. We plan to have vacations, whatever, whatever. We plan, enjoy life. Jesus said, occupy until I come. Don't be hiding in a corner and be afraid. If you, know, if, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. So, so, so you plan your life, but be prepared if he would come today. Hallelujah. And so uh, in between Matthew 14 and 15 is the rapture. And then he begins to talk about when you see the abomination standing in the holy place. And so I just want to give you a snapshot of Revelations 13. Because if you're taking notes, you want to write down Matthew 24 and then Revelation 13. These two go together. This is the end times in Matthew 24, Revelation 13. I don't have time to go through all of it. And uh, like I said, I will come back to this uh, coming up this fall and talk a little bit more about it because there is weeks and weeks of of scripture that I can give you literally about the time we're living in. And I don't want to overwhelm you. I want to get to the main point of what this is all saying to us today. But Revelations 13, one talks about, uh, introduces three characters, not just one. You've heard of the Antichrist. Well, actually there are three 
characters that's going to come on the scene according to the bible this is what's called the unholy trinity and so go ahead and put them all on the screen take a picture of it uh whatever you want to do but these are called the unholy trinity it's the antichrist the false prophet and the image of the beast notice there's three why because satan is a counterfeit everything god has the devil counterfeits he has no new tricks it's the same dorito it's just different flavor y'all remember that so the devil hasn't invented anything new. He copies everything. God has love. He has lust. He has everything God makes and has. The enemy doesn't, Satan doesn't have power to create. He masquerades as an angel of light. He, he transforms himself. He, he's a liar. Jesus called him a murderer from the beginning. And that's what he does. So he's going to come on the stage with these unholy trinity, the Antichrist, and the false prophet and the image of the beast and the society we are living in right now this is another huge uh indicator that we are about to see this take place they will embrace another god especially if he has wisdom and power in his administration culture right now is is ready it is primed to believe in something our culture is wanting so bad to believe in something, we're willing to believe in aliens. We're wanting to believe in something. We're so hungry, and that's going to increase, actually, more and more and more. It's going to be prime for him to make his appearance. Every world religion is waiting for a Messiah. The Muslims are waiting for Imam Mahdi. They're waiting for their Imam, their, their one Messiah that's going to come. And going, but he's got to come when the world is, is filled with chaos. And if you took that world religions class, which we're going to offer again on Wednesday nights, this winter in November, and we talk about the different religions of the world, one of the things that you'll see from Hinduism to Orthodox Jew, Judaism, people are awaiting their Messiah, a man, a person to come on the scene. This is prime for the Antichrist. The Jewish people, of course, are awaiting on their Messiah because they missed all the scriptures. Let me just pause here and let you know. I told you there's a lot of information about this stuff. There are a bunch of scriptures in the Bible predicting when the Messiah would come the first time. There are three times as amount of scriptures predicting when the Messiah would come the second time. The first time he came as a suffering servant and a savior. The Jewish people did not like that. So they were not even following or looking for him because they did not like the ideal of their Messiah being and they missed Jesus when he came they focused on the second coming which when Jesus comes with judgment he comes with power he comes with justice every lie that's ever been told everything that's ever been committed in the dark will be brought to light every man woman boy and girl will stand before the almighty God with the same eyes you're looking at me with today you will behold him who stands on the throne blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God while the rest of the world will hide and will try to run away from him who sits on the throne, who is surrounded with an innumerable, innumerable amount of angels in his glory. That day is going to happen. I pray today we're ready for him to return. So this is going to happen in the first beast in Revelation 13, 1. It says, then I saw a beast rising out of the sea. He is the Antichrist rising out of the sea. The sea always represents chaos. In scripture, in the prophetic imagery, the sea always 
is chaos. Mamas would say goodbye to their sons as they went off to sea, and many times they didn't return. It's mysterious. It's the sea. It's unforgiving. It's the water. It's chaotic. It's the without order. And so in the middle of chaos, this Antichrist is going to come. The bad news is chaos is, gonna re- is going to continue and increase in the day we're living in for him to arise he will arise. The Antichrist is more political than he is religious. This is also Revelations 9. I'm just giving you a snapshot. He's more of a political figure than he is religious. He's not very religious, but he's very political. He's a smooth talker. Many of you might think he's like, going to be like Darth Vader with smoke behind him and red eyes. He's going to come out on the White House or something and be like this guy. And He's not going to be like that at all. He's going to be very charismatic. He's going to be very likable. He's going to be a smooth-talking politician. And people are going to love him because he's going to have the answers. One of the big answers is he's finally going to solve the crisis in the Middle East. He's going to do it by building a temple for the Jewish people. When we were in Israel just a few years ago, I asked our... Uh, our leader there, our guy, Yasuk, who was born and raised there, a Jewish man and knows everything about it. We talked about the temple. He said the temple is ready to be built yesterday. They have the materials there. They're already training their priests for all of the rituals that's in the Old Testament. They're ready to go. The big thing that's holding them back is they want to build it on the Temple Mount, which those of you that went with us to Israel, we saw it. The only problem with building the temple there on the Temple Mount, there's a Muslim mosque there. So something has to happen in order for them to build it. And I heard now that they're looking to find a neutral place. However, the Antichrist is going to have a solution to that. And he's going to be embraced. He's going to build a temple there. And he's going to eventually move the religions to a one world religion. It's going to sound very good. All roads lead to God. All you got to do is be a better person, be a nice person. And he's going to have all these answers. We don't need to fight. We don't need to have war. People are going to say, I'm tired of war. And they're going to listen to him. And he's going to bring world peace for the first three and a half years anyway and then there's going to arise a second beast in revelations 13 it talks about a second beast rising out of the earth the earth represents man the sciences and religious community this guy is going to be more religious than he is political he is going to be like a Sikh, like a rabbi he is going to be a religious man with some political but mainly uh, spiritual. He's also going to have supernatural ability to perform miracles in front of people, and they're going to see him and watch what he does. False prophet will be more spiritual than political. He will have what the Bible says, lion wonders, and he will deceive the entire world. People are going to believe him and, and believe that he is He is God, and he's going to force everyone, and he's going to move our influence. Let me use the word influence in the beginning to worship the first beast, which is the Antichrist. We need to worship this guy. He's the one that's brought world peace. He's the one that's done the impossible. He's brought all the religions of the world together, and everyone's going to be saying, yeah, and then he's going to take it a step further, and he's going to begin to receive the worship. He's going to begin to receive all of the accolades, and then he's going to move his station to the center of the temple of the Holy Land there in Israel and demand everyone to worship him. And the biggest trick, which gets most attention, is at the end of Revelation 13 where the image will control the economy and the commerce of the world through a system that requires all to receive a mark. It actually says, let me back up. So you have the first beast, you have the second beast, the Antichrist, and then the false prophet. The third person that everyone kind of overlooks when they talk about 
chapter 13, is the image of the beast. And now, today, with the advancement of AI, I want you to see how this makes a little bit more sense. A hundred years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, this seemed to be impossible. When John wrote this 2,000 years ago, he, there was only about 200 million people on the planet. But yet he predicted there would be an army of 200 million people that will eventually come against Israel. And I shared with you last week how Russia, or China has just announced just a little bit ago that their goal is to reach 200 million men in their army. And we know about the unholy reliance. I'm just saying, how could John predict something like this 2,000 years ago? He also says the image, in Revelations it says the image of the beast. The word image is the Greek word icon. It means a resemblance, an inanimate object. This is going to be an inanimate object, but yet it has the capabilities to run the economy across the world. It's able to be so good with numbers that it just blows your mind. And 100 years ago, this was laughable. This was laughable. This was like, this is where the Bible has got to be talking about some kind of imagery. It's impossible to try to be that sophisticated and smart. But what really blows our mind is the Bible says the false prophet, the religious guy that's able to do miracles, he will give, watch your Bible, he will give breath to the image of the beast. And the image will speak and then cause everyone, both small and great, to take a mark on their body in order to be a part of the economic and world commerce and pledge their allegiance to the first beast. And whoever rejects the mark denies their allegiance to the first beast and will be persecuted to death. This is how your Bible ends. It begins in Genesis with life and beauty in Revelation, it ends with warning of what will happen all because of the fall of man. But at the end of that, Jesus stops in Revelation 13 and says, but he who has ears, let him hear. He who has a heart, let him lift up his head. Let him look up to head. And don't be weighed down and be filled with fear, but be filled with faith because your redemption draws near. So we go back to Matthew chapter 24 and just for the next few minutes chapter 24, verse 13. I'm just going to pull this verse out. This is the instruction I wanted to just tell you and I today. Jesus says himself, in the middle of all of this going on, his disciples, their eyes must have been this big. Because it started with a question. They said, Jesus, look how beautiful that temple is. They were so proud of the temple. There's just a wall that's left today over there. And it's really amazing to see. But Herod built that beautiful temple. Must have been spectacular. They were so proud of it. And Jesus, I don't know if he was having a bad day or what, but he said, I tell you the truth, every brick you are looking at on that wall, on that temple is going to be fall to the ground, and there's not going to be one brick on top of each other. And they were like, whoa. And then Jesus went in to describe everything I just told you about the signs of the times. But in verse 13, here's our instruction for the day. Last week, it was watch and pray. This week, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one that stands firm to the end, Jesus said, to the end will be saved. We love to have a good time. I believe, you know, church and family and, and life and is, is, you know, Tell people, take God serious, everything else, not so much. (laughs) 
but you got to take God serious. And this is why we take it so serious is because of this right here. We've got to learn to stand firm to the end. We want to be counted. So there's four ways I want to give you this morning of how we can stand firm to the end. Four ways from this text and another one in 2 Thessalonians, which Paul the Apostle is also talking about the rise of the lawless one, the Antichrist. And he tells them without having you turn there, he says, don't be shaken or disturbed or worried that you've missed it because there were rumors going out because the first century was so horrible to live under Roman oppression. It was just horrible. They thought surely Caesar was the Antichrist. And by the way, Satan has tried to bring his man of lawlessness throughout history, all the way back to Alexander the Great, all the way to Hitler who came on the scene to just bring unity and to bring the greatest military he promised to Germany. But it was after a few months of his administration, he turned and wanted to let everyone know that he had a desire for world dominance. He was uh, all through history. If you go all the way back, you can see these men. There were people trying to come to power and rule the world. That is all in preparing, uh, setting up for what as the Antichrist is going to come. What has kept him back is the church, is the Holy Spirit working through his church. This is why the enemy attacks the church. This is why the devil hates the church. You love our church? Good. You should love the church. Jesus loved the church and gave himself for the church. But the church has been under attack, and there's not a perfect church anywhere. My dad always says, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. No one is perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to do something that you're not going to like. If you haven't already, I'm just going to I hate to say it because we all like to be liked, but I'm telling you we're human. Nobody is perfect. Some of you are still mad because I maybe didn't shake your hand today coming up here. I don't know. <laughs> My mind's always locked in on the message. It's hard. So if you talk to me before service and I'm going like this, let me just tell you, I don't know if I'm really listening all the way because I'm just really focusing in on this. But anyway, the only one that's perfect is Jesus. And he did tell us about the church. And so Paul said, when the church is removed, when you take away the righteous standard, you're going to have people just going crazy and going nuts, believing in anything, believing in everything. And the thing is about people is when they quit believing in God, it's not that they believe in something else. They believe in everything. But here's four ways that we need to stand firm to the end. Point number one, please listen. We must decide in advance what we believe and who to be loyal to. You and I, everybody listen to me, listen, you and I have got to settle in our heart. You've got to believe right now in advance what you believe and who you are going to be loyal to. It's the unexpected fears is what gets uh, many people. It's what got the apostle Peter. He was fine until the unexpected happened to Peter. They arrested Jesus and it just took a servant girl to ask him one question to make him deny that he even knew the Lord Jesus. 
But let's not be so hard on him. Many of us do the same thing when we get hit with an unexpected fear or an unexpected anything. God doesn't answer the prayers that we thought we wanted him to answer or not in the way and someone dies that we love or you lose your job or something tragedy, something happens very, very hard and it's unexpected and many will lose their faith. That's why you've got to decide before any of that even ever happens that you, what you believe, who you believe, what rock you stand on and who you're gonna be loyal to before we see this happen. Thank you, five of you. The young people are going to be studying Psalm 119. I was thinking of you guys as I was going because there's a couple of scriptures here. I love Psalm 119. I love what the, uh, David said. David said, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I have chosen. That's Psalm 119.30. He said, I've chosen the way of truth. Listen, choose Jesus. If you don't know him, you need to choose him. Many are called, but few are chosen. The call goes out to everyone. God is calling everyone to repent. He's calling everyone to repent. You and I, whoever chooses to say yes to Jesus, you become the chosen. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. For today is the day of salvation. Choose Jesus. There's no winners or losers. There's only choosers. And I, for me and my house, we're going to choose to serve the Lord. How many is with me today? Choose Jesus. You got to choose him. You got to choose him. Not religion, but choosing Jesus. He is the best choice you'll ever make. In an unstable world, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the, the bright morning star. He is the fourth man in your fire. He is the unstoppable. He is undefeated. He is the first and the last. He is the answer to your problem. He's the answer to drug addiction. He's the answer to alcoholism. He's the answer to sex trafficking. He's the answer to racial division. He's the answer to political division. He's the answer to your fear. He's the answer to your loneliness. He's the answer to your depression. He's the resurrection and the life and he's coming back soon. I choose him. Give him praise in the house today. I choose him. He's the rivers of living water. He is the lamb of God. He was and is and forever be. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He is savior. He is Lord. He is the good shepherd. He is my provider. He is my lover. He is my best friend. That sticks closer than a brother. Do you know him today? Your faith has got to be more than a 60 second TikTok video. We're living in a day when that is not cute anymore. It's funny, we'll get some laughs, but you gotta have the real deal. You gotta have Jesus, you gotta, what does your heart's desires reflect? Is your longings and desires reflecting Christ or reflecting culture? Listen, this is my job as a pastor, is to get us ready, to get us ready. If the Lord don't come by the end of the week, you can get laid off by the end of the week, or you can get an unexpected, look at the storms, no one saw that coming like that. Woke up Thursday morning like many of you. I usually sleep through anything. It's a blessing and a cursing. It's a blessing to me. It's a cursing to my wife. Because apparently someone snores. I don't know who, but that thunder woke me up. It was the loudest thunder I ever heard. I mean, I've ever heard. You know what came to my mind? is how when God came to Mount Sinai. Yeah. 
The Bible says that he came with such loud thundering that the people ran away and said, I don't want to talk to this God. But the scripture says one man, while everybody was running away, your Bible says one man ran toward the thunder and his name was Moses. Are you a Moses or an Aaron this morning? Aaron was a leader. He had people that he had the gift of leadership. And just because you have a crowd don't mean you have God's anointing or blessing on your life. Let's get that out in the air. Because Aaron had all the people come to him. And he made a golden calf. He made a duplicate. Something that says you don't need to go to the mountain. That's where God called you to go. But I want you to come with me. And he made a golden calf. And they all worshipped around it. And he ended up saying, this is of God. Look at all the wonderful things that are happening. And God said, Moses, get down there and get your rebellious brother before. I'll wipe them all out. Moses said, they're your people. (laughs) What's funny about the stories, they keep going back and forth. When God's mad at them, he says, go get your people. And when Moses is mad at them, he says, go get your people. But when they're doing good, God says, I love my people. Moses said, I love your people. It's funny. Number two, you got to be prepared, according to Matthew, to experience betrayal and hate. Jesus mentions in Matthew 24, we didn't read it, but three different times he says that people are going to turn on you. In Matthew 24, one of them, he said, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and will hate each other. We've never lived in a day where people hate. We've always said people to dislike people. We had some hate, but man, haters are going to hate for real right now. And if you stand for righteousness, you used to just, it used to be okay if you disagree and we disagree and we agree to disagree. How many has realized just in the last couple of years, this is how new it is. If you disagree, you hate me. It's like that little girl off Little House on the Prairie, Nellie Olson. Okay, I watch them old shows to go to sleep at night, man. Him, him or Andy or one of them old shows. Or, you know, just don't watch Good Times because you can't go to sleep with dynamite. Okay, it's hard. How many love them old shows? My people in here, all right, Amen. There's a little girl on Little House on the Prairie, and she just does it to manipulate her mom and dad. And that is every time she's told no. She's an annoying little girl, a little blonde hair. (laughs) And she says, you hate me. Every time her mom says no. And her mom goes, I don't hate you. And to show you I don't hate you. And she gives her whatever she wants. We live in a little baby culture. Come on, somebody. If you disagree with somebody, they say you hate me. But the hate's going to get turned up. You can see videos all over TikTok, all over Instagram. You see road rage. It's like there's so many of them that just come up in your feed. People are losing their ever-loving mind because you didn't take off fast enough. They will kill you. We are living in that day. I serve as chaplain here. Many of you know it's been in the paper. We've had two homicides in our nice little sleepy community right here in Belleville. I don't want to go into details, but it was over something stupid dumb. People are hating, but betray. He said people will betray one another. And here's the only thing I want to give you, another Psalm 119. It's not on your screen, but I memorized this years ago. Psalm 119, 165. The King James says, great peace has thy who loves your law and nothing shall offend him. Did you hear me? Great peace is he who scrolls Instagram and Facebook all night long and watches CNN and and Fox News and every second of the debate and writes down their notes. Great peace has you. 
Be informed, watch whatever you're going to watch, but I'm telling you, this is how you're going to get your peace back. Is he who loves, don't just read it, because I read it, check the box, who reads this word. Don't go through the Bible, let the Bible go through you. Get so filled with the scripture when you cut, you bleed the scripture. Get the word in you. So when you hear thunder, you think of a crazy scripture. Who thinks of scripture? Someone who's been in the word. And don't run out to your patio and try to remove the furniture in the middle of a lightning storm. Okay. Great peace has he who loves your word and nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing, nothing shall offend him. What does it mean you're not going to get offended? No, no, no. James tells us everyone offends one another with their tongue. You're going to be offended. But that scripture means when the offense comes, because it's going to come. If you and I have a heart, here it is, filled with the love and the word of God, it's a lot easier to forgive people than those who haven't been in their word in three weeks. Someone that cuts you off, you will lose your salvation just like that. Because you ain't been in your word, brothers and sisters. When I'm not in my word the way that I'm supposed to be in the word, I see the flesh coming back. So it makes sense that many are going to betray one another and hate one another because the next scripture in Matthew, it says, because lawlessness will abound everywhere, the love of many will grow cold. That's why there's going to be so many offended so easy. It's amazing that people get offended so quick these days. You know, I've seen it my whole life being in church. Our church celebrated 20 years, 21 years. Our church will be 20 years this month, August, 21 years old this month. Amen. Mom and dad started this church. Amen. I've seen it. You've seen it. Many pastors have ever seen the people come and they go, they come, oh, they love the church. Oh, I love this church. It's so amazing. Six months later, a year later, two months later, an usher says something to them and they get offended and leave. I'm not picking our ushers. Not our, our ushers are the best around. Amen. They're going to come and chase you. But I'm saying this something. It's like, don't, don't do that. Don't quit. Don't run away. Don't get that so easily. We've become so easily offended in the days that we are living in. People will turn on one another. We saw this during COVID. People turning on one another. Remember that? People calling the authorities on one another. They're leaving their house. I want to get into the end times, but the end times predicts that this one world stuff, and people go, that's going to be insane until COVID happened. And then you realize that you had signs on the doors. You had, you couldn't, people weren't, if you didn't have the shot, and I don't want to get all into all, I'm just going to remind you of the day we just came out of. There were organizations and places that if you didn't have the vaccine, you weren't allowed to get access to their service. Wherever you stand on the vaccine, my point is this. We just saw how that looks like in free America. Could God said, I just want to allow this to get people to see that it can happen to good old God bless America. It can happen. Third, number three, don't forsake the traditions of our faith. He makes this so plain in scripture. He says, Jesus begins to talk about this. And this is where Paul kicks in. I love what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians. He's talking about the Antichrist being rising to power in 2 Thessalonians, rather, 2.15. He says, so then, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Everybody say, stand firm. 
Stand firm and hold fast to the traditions we pass down to you. Listen, God's idea is for you and I to practice our faith and then teach those practices and hand those practices down to our children and our grandchildren. That is the plan of the Lord. One of the, what are the traditions, the pattern he's talking about? Corporate worship. As I said earlier, the church is his idea. Life groups are great. Bible studies are great. Meeting one-on-ones and having coffee with your friends. You and I need to be doing that. But listen, we are called to be the ecclesia, the kononeia, the the gathering people of God to meet in a certain place called the house of God, to worship, to serve, to give, to receive the presence of the Lord. The kononeia, we are the called people of God. But in the last days, this is going to come under attack. Gallup just did a poll and said the Americans, this was just taken here in America, and asked the questions, how many Americans belong into a local church? It dropped to 47% compared to the year 2000 when it was at 70%. So just over 20 years, we have almost cut that in half. We were at the general council, and I shared this with our Wednesday night, that there are, in the American church, there are revivals happening outside of America But in America, all major denominations, independents, are suffering, experiencing um, loss. People that are leaving and and decline, they're in decline. Except for two denominations, the Presbyterians of America and the Assemblies of God. And when you look at the Presbyterians of America, I give it up to them. They believe Jesus is the only way. They're our brothers and sisters. They may not have the full... Uh, teaching of the Holy Spirit. Some of them do. But they teach Jesus is the only way, so they're our brothers and sisters. But if you look at the Presbyterians of America in this article produced by Carrie Newoff, you can look it up and find it, that the Presbyterians are not growing or declining, they're maintaining. There's one fellowship that is growing in America today, and it is the Assemblies of God. Something to say, yeah, thank you, Lord, but also, why is that? I believe it's because two things. One, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And two, we are missional. We believe in winning souls. That's going to be my last point in just a minute. But first, let me give you this. The church is under attack. Peter, when Paul the apostle started the church, he says in Acts 20, 29, he warned them. Soon, ever since Jesus started the church, the enemy has tried to attack the church. And he says this, he says, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things, drawing you away from them, drawing you to themselves. He says, therefore, watch. There's that word from last week. Watch, wake up, be wise to what's happening. And remember, for three years, he said, I warned every one of you night and day. The enemy is always going to attack the church. Some of you, it was a battle to get to the church today. It was for you to to worship with us today. I'm glad you did. You fought through it. And you made it to the house of God. Continue the traditions. Don't forsake your worship. Don't forsake your prayer. Don't forsake serving. It's so hard to get help today in the secular community. I'm not surprised. COVID made us all lazy. But I am surprised when the church is struggling to get help. Because this is the DNA in the center of our faith. Is to be servants of the Lord. Whatever you need, I'm going to do. First Peter says, whatever you find your hands to do. 
Do it with all of your heart so that God can be glorified. How do you make it to the end, Pastor Reddy? You got to determine in your heart and decide in your heart before it happens. Get ready to be betrayed. Don't forsake the traditions of the faith. And in Matthew 24, 14, he ends his discourse and says, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. Then the end will come. What does that mean? Don't quit the mission. This, the rapture is not the great escape. You and I are called to reach people. We are the church. We are the ones called to make a difference. We are called to serve you. We're called to be the light for people. We are called to stand between the dead and the living and to bring the gospel message to people. And we've got to tell everybody. Had a little funny story. Had one of our <clears throat> river kids, and I'm closing, number one. One of our river kids, our uh, little Theo, came in my office. I have, during the week, he's, he's up here a lot, uh, off and on. You see him. Some guys come up for Wi-Fi hours. But little Theo came in my office and said, what you doing? I had my Bible and stuff open. I said, hey, how you doing, Theo? I'm just getting ready to, for Sunday. This was a few months ago. He goes, why? I said, because people need to know about Jesus. He says, Why? <clears throat> I said, because everybody needs to know about Jesus. He said, everybody? I said, everybody. He said, even those that don't like Jesus? I said, yep, even those that didn't like Jesus, buddy, we got to tell them about Jesus. Everyone? I said, everyone. And he goes, how come you don't have no hair? I said, because God's favorite children are bald. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, I did. I shaved it off. It's so great. I don't have to worry about a comb. And I watched him start rubbing his head. So if he cuts his hair, Theo, I'm so sorry. Uh, Alonzo. Everyone, this, he left out of my office. Everyone, everyone needs to know. Everyone. Your coworkers, the people you don't like. Everyone. The people who vote differently. I got to keep saying it because we're going to go into another election year. And if it's anything like the last one, the wheels are going to come off this country. I'm telling you. So let me prepare you now. Vote. Be educated. Vote for the policy, not for the person. But don't lose your mind if whoever gets into the White House because we are not citizens of this country first. We are citizens of a kingdom first. I got to remind myself because our leadership, whether it be your local boss or the White House, is going to disappoint you. As serious as I close, secondly, that our, we must not quit the mission is right now Hawaii is having an investigation because of the fires that broke out there. And what they're investigating is that no one sounded the alarm. Burned up that beautiful island. Many are saying, as the worship team comes, they're saying they didn't sound the alarm because the people knows when they hear the alarm, that means a typhoon is coming and they're gonna run to higher ground 
And if we sounded the alarm, we were afraid people would run up to higher ground and they'd be burned up. Sounded really good until they got to the people and the people said, we would have loved to hear any kind of warning at all. It's in your news. Let me bring it into today. Your neighbor, you don't have to know everything that I have told you today, but your coworkers, your family, the people that you love are entitled to hear something. Something. If it's nothing but Jesus is coming, believe in him as your Lord and Savior. Why? Because we are watchmen. We are called to be on the towers. We are called to ring the bell. We are called. We are in our word. They're not in their word. People don't know the signs of the times. As I told you last week that when Jesus came the first time, everyone missed it except the three wise men. The three wise men were the only ones that looked and saw the star. They all could have saw the star, but they're too busy setting up their profile, too busy working, too busy doing this, too busy. There's signs all around us. And I'm saying we need to sound the alarm and say, Jesus is coming. Do you know him? Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I'll just stand one more time if you would please and just lift your hands to the Lord I know I've done given I don't know three altar calls today stand firm to the end I want to speak to those that are followers of Christ Jesus is your Lord the enemy has discouraged you and tried to get you to walk away from your mission, your calling. I don't know. This message is for you. The Lord would say to you, stand firm. Settle in your heart today. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. I looked that song up. I was going to bring that to you. That song where we love with the world behind me and the cross in front of me, look up that song. It's from a missionary in India who recorded the last words of a man who was brought out by the tribal chief from a very aggressive headhunter tribe in the Himalayas. And they brought these, this family out and said, I heard that you said yes to Jesus to this missionary. Deny Jesus or we will kill your children right now. This, look this up. This is true. The dad said, I have decided to follow Jesus. The tribal chief killed both of his children, both of his boys. He had two boys. He said, deny Jesus or I'm going to kill your wife. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. They killed his wife right in front of him. And they said, you got one last chance. Deny Jesus Christ or we will kill you today. He said, I have decided with tears coming down his face that I will follow Jesus. Don't none go with me, yet I will follow with the world behind me and the cross in front of me. Those were his last words. They killed him and he died. Because of the persecution that the tribe, the entire tribe witnessed, Silence was heard across the whole camp. They fell to their knees or their dead bodies. True story. Look it up. 
They began to weep. The entire village turned over their life to Jesus Christ, including the, tri the tribal chief. And to this day, the Himalayan people has made that the anthem of their tribe and has been sung in arenas across American history at the end of every Billy Graham crusade that I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. With the world behind me and the cross in front of me, I will follow Jesus. No turning back. I just want to ask you today, if you need to recommit your life and say, that's me. This end time stuff is so real, Eddie. I know it's right. I know everything you're saying. But to be honest with you, man, I'm drifting from the Lord and I need to recommit my life to him. I need to draw a line in the sand and say that I'm, I'm at the point of no return. I'm not going back to the old world, but I'm going to stand for Jesus. If that's you, I want to just open the altars. If you need prayer, you can come up and respond. I want us to just sing one last time, I guess, and just close out this. But you commit your heart to the Lord. If you need to recommit your life to the Lord, do that today before you go home. Altar workers, will you come up today? Get prayer today before you go home. Stand firm to the end. That's the message God gave me. I don't know how you receive it today, but if you need to recommit your life and get serious to the Lord, do it today before you go home. If you need prayer for anything else, of course you can come and get prayer. Maybe families need to come and make that declaration today. Leave it up to you. This is the altar time. The rest of you, can you just worship one more time as we sing this song while they're getting prayer? Those of you that are at home, just worship with us one more time. Let this word sink into our hearts. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.